Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Sally Natus is the founder and director of the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center, which will be opening its permanent exhibition later this month. Her connection to the Holocaust is deeply personal, with her dad and uncle being saved by Oscar Schindler. She has become one of the world's most authoritative speakers on the Shoah, and she lectures here and internationally on Holocaust education, genocide prevention, reconciliation, and human rights. She joins me now to tell me about the new exhibition. Tali, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the invitation. Wonderful to be here. And congratulations on your new exhibition. What's different about it? Thank you. Uh, it was a work of love for so many years to put uh, the center together, and now we are about to open it officially to the pu- public with a wonderful, wonderful permanent exhibition. Um, what is different about it is that it is a 21st century exhibition. It is an exhibition that is looking at so many layers of information, of testimonies, of stories, lots of artifacts, lots of photographs, 24 films, um, multimedia, iPads, low-tech uh, uh, sort of technology, uh, pull-outs and, and all sorts of things that people will not see in other museums. A very, very exciting, accessible exhibition. Prepare to come for some hours if you want to really go deeply into the material. And, of course, the, the, the exhibition starts uh, with understanding what is genocide, so genocide in the 20th century, and then goes through the case studies of uh, uh, the Holocaust in Rwanda in great detail, but really uh, makes the connection between history and, uh, and human behavior, choices, Lessons for Humanity. Well, um, you know, there are so many big Holocaust museums around the world, you know, Yad Vashem and Washington, obviously. Um, what do you feel that you could add? I mean, you've spoken now already about the genocide, and I think that is something that is unique to the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center. Um, how do you keep telling, in a way, the same story in a different way? So, indeed, there are, um, the listeners probably will be interested that there are over 300 such institutions around the world. Um, the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center, of course, work with our sister centers in Cape Town and in Durban. We actually have an umbrella organization called the South African Holocaust and Genocide Foundation. And the three centers here in South Africa are working with everyone, from Yad Vashem to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum to museums in Germany. Germany or in uh, in Canada or even in Japan, you know. So there are about 300 such centers, but each center is a little bit different. So if the listeners went to Yad Vashem and also went to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum or to the Imperial War Museum in London, they will see that many times the stories, are, of course, the history is the same, but the stories will be slightly different. The same case is in Johannesburg. We were so fortunate to collect for years now artifacts that are from Johannesburg, stories from Johannesburg of, of Holocaust survivors, of refugees, of Rwandan survivors. And it is so unique to go into the exhibition and actually be immersed into your own story, the story of South Africans of different denominations and, and, and uh, religions and so on, in the case of the, the, the Rwandans and the, the Holocaust survivors, of course, but it's our stories. 
the stories of Johannesburg. Uh, and even uh, we're telling the stories of the, the defense force, the South African defense force, because people forget that the Second World War was a world war and South Africans fought in that war. Africans fought in that war throughout Africa. So we are making lots of connections to the continent, to the country, and to our own story. So tell in a way, are you lucky that you're doing it, you know, at possibly later stage of other Holocaust museums whose own museums are caught up in their own history at, at any given time that that Holocaust museum was built? And you kind of representing a more global view. And certainly the, the exhibitions that I've seen at your um Holocaust Center, Holocaust and Genocide Center, talk to global issues. Um, and I don't think there's, I think, how many events do you have on average a, a week? Um, so, so last year <laughs> we had 50 events during the, the, the year. So it's a one a week. It's on one a average, week. Yeah. And, and, and the topics are as diverse as bombs being dropped in Hiroshima mm-hmm. to um, medicine, how me, the ethics of medicine. And, and, and the, the horror of the world today is exposed. And how do you cope with that, Tali, on an emotional yes. level? Yes. So so from the word go, when the late Gerald Leisner had that idea of of starting this center, that we need a center in Johannesburg, and, and, and me and him sort of started the idea of what should that center be? So I'm talking about probably 10 years ago. It became clear that in the 21st century, what we want to do is to learn lessons from history. So not to uh, leave, you know, stay with the history in 1945 in the case of the Holocaust or in July 1994 in the case of Rwanda, but bring it to today. And it is very important for us to speak about refugee issues if that is the issue of today, um, gender issues, if that is the issue of today, children, rights of children, if that is the issue of today, if there are risks of genocides now in our world, in the case of Myanmar, the Rohingya crisis, we need to speak about that. Uh, last week we had an m- amazing conference about crimes against humanity and the fact that there is no convention against crimes against humanity. Mm. There is a convention against genocide, but not on crimes against humanity. So all these things, there's no other center in South Africa that is doing it. So we are doing it. Is it easy? Not always. It, we, we, our rhythm is very, very rapid. We have only 10 staff members. Uh, we have 50 to 70 volunteers that are amazing. And we can only do it because everyone is working together and everyone is assisting each other emotionally as well. Mm, I, I can imagine because, I mean, I know when I've been at some of those exhibitions, I've had my, you know, throat dry up and um, I, I can imagine dealing with it on a daily basis. It does get accumulative. Absolutely, and especially when you hear the survivors speak, you mm. know, uh, Veronica Phillips, one of our volunteers and an amazing, amazing survivor, of course, from Budapest, Hungary. She spoke for Yom HaShoah before. Uh, you, you can't, even you, if you heard her story five times, mm. you, you start crying because mm. it's very, very emotional. And she's such a beautiful woman. That Absolutely. You think that, you know. And so clever and so, so, <laughs> so fantastic. And, you know, so, so you cannot... It's not a subject that you can stay indifferent to. No. However, you need to move from that raw emotion to action, and the action is important. So, Is that what motivates you? Yes. So, for example, today I, I came to the studio, but we have a school 
you know, in a workshop, a half a day workshop, and of course, seeing those grade nine or grade 10 or grade 11 students really interacting with the material and saying, how can we make the connections? All right. You're telling me about something that happened in history. What is the connection to my world? What is the connection to my life? And that is what motivates us, that, that the penny will drop and that the young people, the young leaders of this country will say, we need to act in this and that way to raise our voices in this and that way. Tell you that the, the work that the centre has already done has been amazing, and, and especially, as you say, in terms of education, getting kids um, from all the schools in Johannesburg to come and experience the Holocaust, not experience the Holocaust, experience yes, education learn, about it. Yes, exactly. Um, one thing that always I've always wondered about, and it happened a while back, and I think we spoke a little bit then, but a, a, group, a school went to a Holocaust centre, came out and took group photo with all of them going with a, a Hitler salute. Mm-hmm. What is that mentality? What is happening there? So um, I'll talk generally about, first of all, I would like to to start by saying that learning about genocide, the Holocaust, Rwanda, Armenia, Cambodia, is not a washing machine for tolerance. You cannot learn and come out Tolerant. I have a friend, a colleague at the uh, House of the Wannsee Conference in Germany that uh, takes groups to Auschwitz. And many times when they come out, she finds people even more angry or more, more um, intolerant, if you want. And she says, you know, you cannot think that there is a appeal uh, that three hours or two hours or four head. hours, what a pity, <laughs> yeah. that there's a magic wand that you will do this and everything will be understood, absorbed, um, and, and, and you will change. I think that we have to accept that it is work. And with education, rather than being angry, is to see it as a learning moment. So you gave the example of uh, a group that did and I'm sure did an amazing program, learned, and I'm sure they were impacted. And maybe someone thought that it's a great joke or whatever. Our role is to say, "Uh uh-uh, wait a minute, what's going on? Let's learn. Let's see. What are we doing? We're doing this. What What is it that we are doing? How does it make someone feel? And, And so on. And actually... I believe in those learning moments because those learning moments are the moments that will make the change. Those learning moments, after that, 90% at least, we can never conquer everyone, but 90% of them will remember that. Say, where was my head? I just learned about it and then I did this and I didn't think, I didn't think that it's, you know. So it is... It's like a puzzle. You have to work very slowly and be patient. Don't lose your patience. Tally, um, obviously when there are incidents of anti-Semitism in South Africa, um, the Holocaust centers around our country are our first port of call because we don't believe in punishment where education can help. What would the process from your center be? So we... Of course, believe in education. We are a center. We don't even call ourselves a museum. We call ourselves an education center. So we are a center of education, memory, and lessons for humanity. So when any incidents of anti-Semitism or racism uh, comes to our attention and we are asked to, let's say, do an educational pro- program or process, usually we will come together 
we will put together uh, a program that will go to not only one child or not only um, two kids, but more sort of inclusive. The school, the teachers, the, the you know, the class, the grade. And uh, we will try to look at um, educational methods of understanding what goes wrong when anti-Semitism happen. And in a way, anti-Semitism is, is, uh, a sign of, of, of lack of understanding, of hatred, of othering. Well, so you look at prejudice and discrimination and hatred of the other and educate around the Holocaust. So is, would you say anti-Semitism is the same as any other form of racism? It's a very ancient way <laughs> of, uh, it's a, it's a very, uh, ancient way of, uh, othering. Um, one of the first ones, of course, the word anti-Semitism is only invent- invented in the 19th century. So before that is Jew hatred. Yeah. Uh, but uh, racism as such is only developed uh, through the colonial system uh, in the 18th and 19th century. That, so that is a bit newer. But the world today, sadly, uh, um, is, you know, is really not uh, a world a world where othering does not exist. Right. Othering of everyone exists. Uh, so racism, anti-Semitism, gender, L- LGBT, and so on. Um, Tully, one of the things that always fascinated me is the constant new information that's coming out about the Holocaust. And you could almost place it historically in that um, people who didn't speak, um, victims of the Holocaust, survivors of the Holocaust, couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. And then realize if I don't speak now, it'll be too late. Absolutely. Do we still find, do you still anticipate more unknown stories coming to the fore? Or do you think there will be a point where, as far as we know, this is what we understand and these are the stories we have? So the Holocaust history is still being discovered only in the last few years. More than 42,000 concentration camps we know existed. Before that, before four or five years ago, we did not know that. Veronica Phillips, a good example of a survivor that never spoke until five, six years ago. We have, without mentioning their names, two survivors in our group because our survivors meeting every two to three weeks in our center, two survivors that never spoke about their story. I would love to hear their story. Um, New information is coming all the time. A mess grave was just discovered last week in Belarus. Uh, more information will come out, no doubt about it. So I have an SMS for you. Um, has you have you heard of Thomas Hubble, who is a spiritual healer and often focuses on the Holocaust? Yes. Yes. So so he is. Uh, he came to my attention through uh, colleagues, uh, amazing colleagues that are doing. This uh, kind of, of spiritual work and, uh, and um, psychological healing uh, work. They told me last year about his work. That was the first time that I heard about him. And we are actually so fortunate that two of, uh, two of the spiritual healers are willing to actually work with us uh, at the center and teach us a little bit about uh, how to deal with trauma and emotional trauma through the work of Hogel. Um, Tali, I mean, I, I just feel like there's so much that I still want to ask you in terms of morality, in terms of the different countries, in terms of how countries are responding to the Holocaust 70 years later. But I feel like we, we, we can't really go into all of that. But maybe what we can do is recommend that people visit the Holocaust and Genocide Center. And I wonder if you can just, in the last remaining minutes, explain what people should anticipate, when they can come, how they should come, 
Yes, that, that will be wonderful. Uh, so first of all, we are an institution that is free of charge for all. We believe in free education. We ask that if you can, please give us a donation because we do need to, to, to exist uh, somehow and especially bring schools that are underprivileged schools to our uh, doors. But you are invited to come every day. We are open from 8.30, 9 o'clock to 4.30. There is a lovely coffee shop. It's called Easy's. You can have a break and have a, a, a Coke or a water or, 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 or coffee. Um, the center is uh, with many exhibitions at every given time. Our permanent exhibition will open in two weeks' time officially to the public. And uh, you can also see upstairs uh, traveling exhibitions. We have two at the moment. We also have a resource center. And uh, just to say that at the moment, we're also open every Sunday from 9 o'clock until 3 o'clock. We hope that the hours will be extended after we open officially to the, the public. You can go into the website. You can also call us on 011-640-3100. But we are there on Facebook and the website TripAdvisor, Instagram, Twitter, please, please come, follow us, and join us. And not only the exhibition, but also the amazing speakers that you have, the topics of second generation. Um, Absolutely. And, and there's amazing. a series of films that is starting. Uh, the, the film Who Will Write Our History about the Warsaw Ghetto is, is uh, going to be screened on the 11th of March, opened by the German ambassador, Dr. Martin Schaefer. So, so much is happening. Make sure that you are on our database, that you know what is happening every week. Tell you, well done. Thank you. And thank you so much for being my guest. And we have to do this more.